You are now watching the Daily Roundup. Good afternoon, yes, ladies are. and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Daily Roundup on this, a Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Folks, do you know that today is International Talk Like William Shatner Day? And my <laughs> co-host, well, she set her phasers on fun. Did you see what I did there? She is the she-devil with a spatula. She is the Khaleesi of the greater Coburg area. She is Tamara Ugolini. How you doing there, Tamara? Well, I'll be doing all right as long as you promise not to speak like William Shatner all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get that out of the way. What is your favorite Star Trek episode, Tamara Ugolini? I am not a Star Trek fan, so don't. Oh, how uh, dare you? I, I can't even go there. I know. Sorry. My husband would be so embarrassed to know that I just publicly displayed that. But no, I am not a Star Trek fan, unfortunately. <laughs> well, at some point, text your husband and get his opinion on what his favorite episode is. I mean, it is Talk Like William Shatner Day. Are you able to talk like William Shatner, Tamara? I was hoping that you could surprise us with some uh, impersonations. I cannot do that. I would love to be like a modern day Rich Little. Um, it would be just so fantastic, you know, phoning in a radio show uh, and uh, doing, you know, pretending you're Justin Trudeau and doing a absolute note perfect um, impersonation <laughs> and getting on the air as the prime minister, um, you know, the the mainstream media would have a meltdown getting fooled like that all the time. So if there, um, if there's anyone that can talk like William Shatner or Prime Minister Trudeau, you have my blessing to do as much punking and pranking as you possibly can. So Tamara, what and then is it? send it to us as a tip. What's of that? Of course, don't forget to don't forget to send it to us as a as a tip if you do so. Yes, <laughs> record the we'll conversation. We're all ears. Yeah. So, Tamara, what is it that we are trying to do here as opposed to just uh, rambling on about Star Trek? Yeah, well, we'll cut to that chase right away. So if you're joining <laughs> us, we are streaming on a few different platforms. We are on YouTube, Rumble, uh, Getter, sorry, not Rumble, my mistake. Rum sorry, yes, Rumble, <laughs> Getter, <laughs> Odyssey, YouTube, and Twitter. All right, I've hit all the things. And I don't think we'll get into any nitty-gritty questioning the science-related stuff, so we'll be able to stay on YouTube, I hope, for the duration of our live stream. But oftentimes, we just direct people to those other platforms anyway, because YouTube is kind of this um, holy grail of censorship where you can't say certain things that go against to their quote-unquote community standards. Um, so, and then because of that, we have been completely demonetized from the platform. Uh, so a simple way for you to engage with us directly, but also for us to keep our journalistic efforts afloat, it was by getting um, chats on YouTube. And now since we've been deplatformed due to wrong think and wrong speech, uh, you can go on to Rumble, or I believe it's Odyssey is the other one, and give us a rumble rant or a hyper chat there. And uh, $5 donations or more, we will read it and kind of highlight, showcase your comment on screen. So don't forget to head on over to one of those platforms to do that directly. And otherwise, uh, our theme today, uh, from what I could gather out of all the various topics we're, gonna, we're going to touch on, is basically the totalitarian tiptoe 
Um, so how Canada is continues to slip into this authoritarian abyss and uh, has this kind of iron fist of censorship uh, continuing to permeate into our country. Um, and so the first thing that we have is a little bit of, I guess, comedic relief. Uh, we have Roseanne Barr, the infamous star of, well, Roseanne, um, <laughs> making an absolute mockery of Justin Trudeau on her little on their stage. Um, so maybe we can just start off with that and go from there. Beautiful. <laughs> Let's help him do that. Would you rather live in America than Canada? Yeah. Yeah. We got to get him. Of course he would. Canada, Canada really fucking sucks ass. <laughs> They're Roseanne. taking oh. people's money out wait, of their wait, accounts and making let's, them let's, take let's pause this for a second. Hold on. We have to warn you that there is some vulgar language. I mean, <laughs> what do you expect from Roseanne Barr? Uh, so, you know, adults only here in this next part, she is not <laughs> holding back at all. So there's some vulgar language for anyone who might be sensitive to that. Just be fair warned. Teen jabs in the fucking eyeballs of the goddamn vaccine. <laughs> Fuck you, liberals. <laughs> Roseanne is here, everybody. It's not, it, I'm telling you what, it's not but a bunch of commie devil worshippers up there in fucking Canada. That's what you've got up there. Goddamn Castro's son. Fucking what's-his-face yeah. is Castro's illegitimate fucking clone of a goddamn yeah. son. I like... I like, I like it, his citizenship hearing. They're like, do you have a sponsor? He's like, yes, I do. Meet Roseanne. Uh, she's hilarious. Oh, my God. But you know what? Every day, more and more Americans are waking up to reality and knowing I'm telling the goddamn truth. Nothing but yep. the truth. Yep. So help me, God. I'm not a lying goddamn prostitute and whore. I tell the truth. Everything's a bullshit lie, and I'll tell you when I knew it. When my kids told me to quit smoking because I was going to get sick from the COVID, so I quit smoking. Two weeks later, I had the fucking COVID. Yep. And then I read in the papers, it says, cigarette smoking protects you from the fucking COVID. It's true. That's the thing. Did you see that? It's all a bullshit fucking lie to get me to quit smoking. Fuck them. Yep. God damn mother fucking right. Uh, it was a conspiracy just to get uh, Roseanne to stop smoking. Well, you know, um, Tamara, I think like most Canadians, I subscribe to the mantra when it comes to getting recognized by the United States. Love us, hate us, but for God's sake, don't ignore us because usually Canada is such an afterthought. But I can tell that Roseanne is up to date on the uh, blackface file. Uh, Trudeau has professed his admiration for the dictatorship of China. That's going back 10 years ago to that infamous quote uh, before he became prime minister. Um, and it's funny that, you know, I've always been champing at the bit, Tamara, to hear the mainstream media say, you know, 10 years later, especially with COVID, um, almost 7 million dead around the world, trillions and trillions of economic damage. Do you still have basic admiration for the dictatorship in China? They won't even ask that question because I'd love to see his answer um, post COVID pandemic, as opposed to what he said in 2013. And um, yeah. so, yeah, so when when she calls him a commie, well, that's who's running China right now. It's the, the Communist Party of China. And then she, of course, 
uh, deferred to Castro. That is our number one selling T-shirt to Mario <laughs> Galini, as you know, the Justin Castro T-shirt. And joking aside, I mean, uh, if you're not familiar with that T-shirt, folks, it's one half of uh, Justin Trudeau, um, one half of Fidel Castro. And uh, there it is. Um, and I, I mean, I, I'm not making a joke here. The resemblance is uncanny. In <laughs> fact, I, can't, I don't even know from this angle, is the color half Trudeau or Castro? I can't tell, Tamara Ugolini. So um, it's just, it's wonderful, wonderful to see uh, Roseanne Barr, who of course got canceled, I think back in, uh, not her show that is, uh, her as a personality for a uh, allegedly racist tweet. And you know, that's another thing, um, you know, Tamara, the society we live in, when it comes to the wokeism and virtue signaling and the political correctness, I find it so perverse that you can say something, you can send out a tweet, you can say something on the air that is regretful, maybe offside. And I remember back in the day, you used to see, uh, say if it was a radio personality did that, they'd be suspended for a couple of days without pay, and then you're back in. Now, you are put in the penalty box as in forever and ever. Even murderers, first-degree murderers in this country do a so-called life sentence, that's 25 years, hardly life, and they're out. And yet, for a thought crime, it is a death sentence in terms of getting back on the airwaves again. So good for that um, platform that's welcomed uh, Roseanne Barr back. I, uh, uh, I, really, I really enjoyed her uh, insight into Canadian politics. <laughs> And I think there's an opportunity there where maybe we can send Roseanne one of our Justin Castro t-shirts. Um, like you mentioned, David, that's a great design, one of our best sellers. And I must plug in here that if you want to order any of our swag from our store, you can use code Tamara10 and you can save 10% off of your total order. And I think definitely Roseanne deserves to uh, be a spokeswoman for one of those t-shirts. Tamara, I think that is a brilliant idea. But here's where we get to the landmine in terms of selecting the shirt. And I'm referring to the size. Um, what size <laughs> do we choose? Because I've been told by people far smarter than I that even if your significant other might qualify for um, my 600-pound life, Always buy medium at the max. Never buy large, extra large, or God forbid, double XL. So what size, Tamara Ugolini, are we going to send to Roseanne Barr? I think that's a question for another day, David. <laughs> I don't want to be put on the spot. It looks actually, she looks pretty good there in that last clip. It looks like she's lost some weight. So maybe we would be safe to send her a medium. Um, but again, so, even our website, it's kind of confusing even for me. There's women's sizes, there's men's sizes, and then there's like the gender neutral unisex sizes. So um, depending on which category you order from too, they'll fit differently. Um, so something to keep in mind. But um, let's move on here because our next video, we have Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, deflecting uh, from essentially his skirting of the emergency order public commission that took place um, where he, we, we launched a whole campaign about it at fire or sorry, um, stophiding.ca, I believe it was, um, because Ford was hiding behind parliamentary privilege to evade his 
subpoena to testify at the public order emergency commission that took place in Ottawa a few months ago. And he's just now being questioned about it by the mainstream media. So listen to his response. Sure. Uh, Premier Ford, we haven't had a chance to ask you yet about the Emergencies Commission report. Uh, Justice Rollo <laughs> yeah, said have. that the people of Ottawa have felt abandoned by your government during the convoy standoff, and he criticized your reluctance to re help resolve it. How do you respond to that? Well, I think it's a, that's their opinion. It's furthest from the truth. We were on this every single day. I want to thank uh, Commissioner OPP and all the police officers around the province that were deployed to Ottawa. And I'm just going to phrase it this way. The mayor of Ottawa and the police chief, they had their jobs. The mayor of Toronto, Mayor Tory, and Chief Raymer, they had their jobs. It was night and day. When, when the convoy came to Toronto, they came, they did their little protests, they were gone. Because Chief Raymer had operational experience, he was ready, Mayor Tory did a great job, and... Uh, that's about as far as I'm going to say about the folks in Ottawa. The people that were in charge are no longer there. So we'll, we'll kind of leave it at that. Now wow. John Tory did a great job. You know, uh, Tamara, as we chronicled for years during the height of the pandemic, uh, what did we see here in Toronto? We saw a restaurateur having the mounted unit come in to shut him down because he was serving uh, lunch to an appreciative crowd while 400 meters down the road, Costco had their food service um, unit open, uh, never had to shut down for an hour. We saw protests being violently shut down. And I'm talking about peaceful protests, okay? Really peaceful protests, i.e. there was nobody tearing down statues and throwing spray paint bombs at anyone, including one of our most infamous clips is a single solitary protester at Young and Dundas waving, God forbid, a Canadian flag and getting gang tackled uh, by the Toronto Police Service. How in anyone's estimation is that the mayor and the police chief doing a good job, Tamara Ugolini? Well, and also I should mention here that by the time the convoy made its way to Ottawa, and I believe it was... Um, January the roughly the 25th or 26th when they finally landed in Ottawa and then the protest was planned the week following that in Toronto so by the time that people were coming into Queen's Park to start protesting Doug Ford already had a full week of seeing and witnessing the events unfold in Ottawa to have the foresight to be able to say, wait a minute, we're going to stop this before it even gets started. And for any of our viewers who are wondering, we were there on the ground covering what happened in Toronto. The Toronto police um, blockaded blocks, like several blocks all around encompassing Queen's Park so that you couldn't even get a single car into any, nowhere close to Queen's Park. That's our um, parliamentary buildings there. Um, yeah, here, and. And so we were on the ground protesting that day and trucks did try to get in there and they were blockaded by police. They had brought in all city vehicles. So they had tow trucks, they had heavy equipment. They blocked off every single entrance to Queens Park. And even myself as a journalist trying to head in there to cover this, I had to go through 
a police blockade and you know i didn't have my phone out because i was driving and i so wish i had have captured this but they stopped me they asked me that if i fell into the three reasons they were letting people in for work for for my job um sorry for for work for school or for an appointment and I said, well, I'm going for work. And so no no problem, go on through. But they were stopping every single vehicle trying to get in and the major roadways were blocked completely. So I had to kind of skirt in on like one of the little side streets there. Um, so they had that foresight week a week prior that they knew. And I think that also it was Justin Trudeau's rhetoric. Remember when he referred to this as a small fringe minority? Yeah. I think that the government actually believed that this was just a small fringe amount of people that were coming to Ottawa to protest their mandates. They never envisioned that this would be such a large groundswell grassroots um, uprising, really, of Canadians coming together collectively to say, finally, enough is enough and you need to listen to us. Because Canadians had been being ignored by all levels of government for two solid years. And there was no other way to get the attention at this point of the elected officials that were supposed to be representing their constituents all throughout this time, but they were not. Um, so this was a really uh, peaceful but extreme way to showcase just how many Canadians were fed up and they wanted to be heard. And so Doug Ford had a week's worth of this protest unfolding in Ottawa to say, okay, we need to take some serious steps here to prevent a similar thing from happening in Queen's Park. And similar to what they would do in a dictatorship, they did. They no, blockaded and prevented our democratic right to protest with city taxpayer-funded vehicles, taxpayer-funded police. 100%. Mary couldn't have said it better myself. And, you know, you uh, look at the other protests during the pandemic. I'm thinking particularly the summer of 2020, Black Lives Matter uh, protesters coming to Queen's Park en masse. Oh, and by the way, violating social distancing rules, violating masking rules, and all the health officials saying, well, yeah, it's uh, it's understandable because, you know, this is such a, um, a human rights movement. Um, you know, the uh, they didn't say this, but this is what they're implying, that, you know, the Wuhan virus wouldn't dare infect them uh, for congregating if it's for Black Lives Matter. And um, not all that peaceful. They were always um, throwing uh, spray paint at the Sir John A. Macdonald statue. Uh, I think one time they tried to tear it down, but since none of these uh, uh, Lugans has an engineering degree, they didn't know how to. And um, what I found funny is that the response to that was uh, Doug Ford barricading the Sir John A. Macdonald. He's still in a coffin right now with a garbage bag on his head. Mm -hmm. And Boy, it that is just symbolic, Tamara, of how much Doug Ford has changed since becoming premier. The first city, I believe, out of the gate in terms of tearing down a, a Sir John A. Macdonald's uh, statue and putting it into storage was Victoria, B.C. And I clearly yep. remember Doug Ford saying, if you think the founding uh, prime minister of our country is that offensive, send it to Ontario you know, we'll put it on the north lawns of Queen's Park in addition to the one we have in the south lawn. So he's gone from that, having two Sir John A. Macdonald statues, if Victoria decided to give it up, to uh, covering up the one that remains there. And as you can see, uh, there's the, the paint. There's uh, Egerton Ryerson, uh, my old alma mater, 
not called Ryerson anymore. It's um, uh, it, and you, you see the the paint being tossed. And, and by the way, where are the cops when you need them? I think that's illegal, isn't it, Tamara? Getting a bucket of pink paint and tossing it on a statue. And there, folks, that is what you see uh, right now. And that plaque is basically, and it's been there for a good two years now. It's like, hmm, you know, we're thinking about this statue because some people are kind of offended and we're going to look into it and figure out what we need to do. I mean, it's two years, for goodness sakes. Take down that coffin and put mm -hmm. the prime minister on full display. Why are you bending the knee to the mob? And if it is triggering the people and they come down there with buckets of paint and ropes to try to tear it down, arrest them instead, instead of turning a blind eye to crime. But no, when it comes to the trucker convoy, oh, no, no, no. Those are the barbarians at the gate. Uh, we're going to set up a perimeter. You're not getting anywhere near Queen's Park or uh, Young Dundas Square, uh, literally the town square, to exercise your right to protest. I think the double standard is uh, pathetic and appalling, Tamara. Mm -hmm. And it's just all par for the course these days. That yep. I mention it all the time, and I've actually coined this term now. It, it, this belongs to me. It's the hypocrisy of the bureaucracy. Um, hey, and like speaking that. of hypocrites, <laughs> we have uh, NDP later, leader Jagmeet Singh um, basically saying that alluding to the clear collaboration that he has with the Justin Trudeau liberals in um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for here? They've uh, colluded. Well, not colluded. Um, I can't think of it. David, help me out. Oh, are you talking about uh, electoral interference? Electoral interference, but um, the the NDP and the Liberals are basically propping up and combining their parties into a minor a majority government. And Correct. so, but he's saying that that's a conservative narrative, and that isn't actually true. Here, we'll hear it from him himself. Uh, has turned into a circus in a lot of ways. We look at the con the conservative approach. They're not serious about getting work done. They're not serious about holding the government to account beyond just attacking the government and throwing mud. They're not interested in protecting your democracy. We had a vote today that could have happened today on a public inquiry. We gave the Conservatives heads up. We let them know it was going to happen. We would have had a vote in Parliament on a public inquiry. They blocked it. They're not interested in getting to the truth. And the committee is not the best path to actually deal with these serious questions. We believe in a public independent inquiry is the path. But there's some questions that Canadians need answered, and there's some people that should be coming before committee, and we made that happen. But for an exhaustive list, that should happen in a public independent inquiry, not in committee. So how do, how do, how do you, I guess, um, explain the fact that it looks like the NDP are giving cover for the Liberals? Well, that's false. That's a conservative narrative. The reality is the conservatives, <laughs> the, conserv no, the narrative, it's not your narrative, it's a conservative narrative. The conservative narrative is this. They make it sound like they care about a public inquiry. We had a chance to vote on it today. Literally today, we could have voted on a public inquiry with the opposition parties pushing forward a public inquiry. They blocked it. We made the chief of staff of Justin Trudeau testifying committee, we made that happen. We forced it to happen. We've shown that the Conservatives are useless because they are useless. They've been useless in the pandemic. They've been useless in this minority government. They haven't done a thing for Canadians to make their lives better. We have consistently been the ones to try to protect our democracy, to try to deliver real help for Canadians, and we'll continue to do that. Thank you so much. You know, Tamara, I'm surprised off. that Jugmeet Singh can actually stand up because 
I don't think this man has a spine. Because if he had a spine, he would say, uh, quite frankly, we didn't know about this you know, Chinese interference or foreign interference in our elections when we got into this coalition. And now that we're finding out that this might really be a thing that we, uh, the, the, you know, blackface had his friends in China uh, tinker with certain writings to make sure certain liberals got elected, certain conservatives did not get elected, and of course, blackface got his minority government back. Well, we in good conscience cannot support the liberals. We have to withdraw our support of the liberals. Now, that would be, you know, the words of a true leader, but the sad reality is, Tamara, is that the NDP has no money in the war chest for an election. So the last thing Jagmeet Singh wants is an election. And secondly, speaking of um, Jagmeet Singh's personal goals, as I've mentioned many times, 2025 is the magic number for him because that's when he complete six years of tenure in the House, meaning he gets the full MP pension to pay for, you know, the Rolex watches, the Armani suits, the BMW M3. Oh, no plug-in hybrid for Mr. Singh. None of that climate change crapola for this guy. He wants a 500-horsepower German sports car. But uh, I digress. So uh, Mm -hmm. it's very rich to see him uh, calling out uh, the Conservatives when he holds the Trump card to withdraw support for this odious Liberal government. Forget about, you know, Chinese electoral interference, maybe that hasn't been proven. But how many scandals, uh, Tamara, have we seen? And this government gets a free pass. So, I mean, enough Mm -hmm. with this rhetoric already, Jugmeat. Yeah, absolutely. And I I don't like that he has this pass and this leverage. um, That's really uh, kind of a a scary thought to think that this truly fringe minority uh, party has such leverage in our democracy. But yeah, he could instantly just stop propping up the liberal government with this unofficial coalition that they have going on between one another. Um, and get some get down to some real work in the House of Commons. But it seems that, you know, these politicians aren't really interested in that and they would rather just cling on as long as they can to get their taxpayer funded um, money, free money that will follow them for the rest of their lives. And that is just it's so wild to think um, the state of affairs that we're in financially, that that is is still ongoing. But anyway, we uh, are going By the to way, get Tamara, to. Did- Sorry to interrupt, but did you just do a subliminal uh, word there in honor of International Talk Like William Shatner Day when you said <laughs> Klingon? Or am I reading into this wrongly? Uh, you, you, well, you know what? No, that was definitely subliminal. There you go. <laughs> All right, we'll go to a quick ad and then we're going to come back to some of this uh, protesting of woke school boards and oh. the sexualization of children. If you want to look good and shine like me, you can do so at our store. Go to ribbonnewstore.com. On this website, you have so much different style to wear as this one, my favorite one, Justin Castro. With my code Alexa10, you will have 10% off on your next purchase. So don't hesitate, go now and look so good like me. 
We really need to it. get one of those shirts over to Roseanne Bar. Uh, so uh, I'll put <laughs> that in the employee idea. suggestion box uh, tomorrow. Yeah, um, you alluded to before the ad break, uh, more wokeism uh, in the school boards. And um, ace shooter Lincoln J and I, we went out to the Durham District School Board on Monday uh, to cover that. Now, what's been happening there, Tamara? You know, the backstory is parents are, in my view, rightfully upset that sexual surveys are going out to children as young as eight or nine. That would be grade four. And um, it's all about, they want to know the gender identity of the kids. They want to know the sexual orientation. And the parents are asking, well, why do you need to know this, you know, from a a nine-year-old? What is the information going to be used for? Who has access to this information? And I think more importantly, Tamara, now that we're seeing provincial test scores plummeting, what does this have to do with education? And, um, you know, evidently, you ask those questions In the Durham District School Board, uh, they will silence your microphone and uh, maybe even call the police. And the police and their paddy wagons were on standby that day, if you can imagine, to haul away any parent that might ask an impolite question. They're also concerned, Tamara, about materials in the library that would, quite frankly, uh, qualify as pornography. Nope, that's Mm -hmm. not pornography. That's diversity these days. And so there was a small protest of parents, but the story really was the counter protest, which I would say outnumbered, I'm not exaggerating here, the original protesters, the parents, by a factor of at least 50 or 60 to one. And the reason for that is that the various public sector unions started beating the war drums, get your members out to the Durham District School Board headquarters, uh, wear rainbow colors, shout down the haters. That's what they always say. Uh, if you have a uh, contrarian viewpoint, um, you're a hater, you're a bigot, you're a transphobe, you're a homophobe. And uh, that's what happened on Monday. Um, the counter protesters took over. They also packed the chamber so that a lot of the parents that wanted to go in and speak or even witness the school board meeting, uh, they couldn't because it was at capacity. So um, we might have some video of uh, what we encountered and uh, I'll let the video tell the story. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Whitby at the Durham District School Board headquarters. Now folks, the Durham District School Board is soon gonna have its monthly meeting and there are some parents here to protest what they say is the ongoing sexualization of children. And as you can also see, there's a counter protest. That would be the people with the rainbow flags um, who are apparently, I guess, okay with the ongoing sexualization of children. Um, As some examples, this board surveyed children as young as nine years old on sexual identity and sexual orientation without even getting parental consent. And many parents want to know why this board needed this information. They also want to know who has access to this information. And they want to know what a child's sexual orientation has to do with education. Now, those are, I think, valid questions, but those at the Durham District School Board and their um, supporters 
they have vilified and demonized these parents as transphobes. As well, I should point out, parents are alleging there are books in school libraries that are pornographic. But again, this issue means that parents who complain about such books are branded as bigots. Indeed, just for asking questions, Oshawa trustee Linda Stone, she was censured by her own school board. So the question arises, why is this ongoing sexualization of children happening in our public education boards in the first place? And why is it that if parents ask reasonable questions, well, the mob brands them as transphobes, homophobes, bigots, haters, etc. Let's wade into this demonstration and uh, find out what these folks Always have to say. Wins. Love always wins. Thank you all so much. Well, I believe that um, they're actually grooming the children. They want to groom the children. When they're indoctrinating our children at such a young age, and they say they love everybody and they're accepting of everyone, this is just no, trying to normalize pedophilia. But this group, if you ask them if they're all going to be okay when the pedophiles come into the school to speak and dance or whatever they're going to do and talk and read stories to the children, they don't like that. But they love all and they want acceptance for everyone. I believe they're kind of pushing it into uh, vulnerable ch children's head that, uh, you know, they could change their genitalia and all that, which is completely irreversible. And a lot of times that later on in life, they end up regretting that decision. And I, I think that's an adult thing and it should be kept out of the classroom. I think it's, I think it's just terrible. I think it's, it, you know, it, it's just, it's not right. Your sign says, I'm only phobic about grooming kids. Um, what does that mean? Um, well, a lot of, we've had, we meet here every month okay. for every school board meeting, but this time it got out that we're transphobic and we're anti-LGBTQ. Okay. Um, that is not why we're here. We're here against the sexualizing of children, both through the school materials offered in the library and the way the, the students have been coming home and telling their parents what the teachers are saying in the school. Uh, when I did speak up at the last board meeting here last month, I they were talking about um, the bullying and stuff like that, the anti-bullying policy that they have. And I did raise a concern about them actually bullying Linda Stone and they shut my mic off. She has a freedom of speech as well. And I think what they did was wrong and they need to bring her back. I'm afraid that a lot of the good teachers who have been standing up and speaking out have been fired. So what we're left with is this, these people who are saying no more hate and then they're going around hating and trying to uh, intimidate us and stuff. We don't want to pay our tax dollars for this at all. No, we don't want our children indoctrinated into this um, agenda. And it is our government that is pushing this agenda. And it's another distraction from all the other stuff going on. Some of our members are gay. My daughter is gay. She's just recently decided that she's trans. She's 22 years old. That's her decision. It's all about, you know, just our children and protecting the rights of our children and giving our parents their voice. Well, they're trying to drown us out here. I can see a sign behind you, hate has no home here. You don't seem like a hateful person, so why is he doing that? I'm not sure, <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, freedom of speech, right? Uh, that's okay. Yeah, Tamara, it's kind of hard to get the 
you know, the opinions of the other demonstrators, although we did get that in the video when they start drowning you out with chants and getting in front of the camera and whatnot. But, you know, what I just find unbelievable is that one of the unions that uh, recruited these uh, counter demonstrators was, if you can believe it, the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario. Wouldn't you think that a union that represents elementary teachers who teach to elementary students, that's grade six and down, wouldn't they be concerned about sexualization getting into the classroom, about pornographic books getting into the library? No, but apparently they're down with that, uh, Tamara. As a mother, how do you explain this? Well, I've been covering this topic in depth. We actually launched a campaign at stopclassroomgrooming.com because I had filed an access to information request um, about some of these surveys. There is <clears throat> the student census survey, and then there's also the school climate survey, and that has nothing to do with climate as in environmentalism. It, is, it has to do with the school environment and how people feel within it. And so in some of these surveys, they ask, as you already stated, David, for, for children's sexual, sexual orientation and gender identity. And the directive from the Ministry of Education in some one survey, the student census survey, it's so convoluted and, and hard to differentiate between the two because they're very similar. But the directive specifically for one of these surveys was that questions around gender identity and sexual orientation were meant to be sent home to parents to be completed on behalf of students. And then for, eight, for high school and up, the parents, you don't need to give consent at all. These students can be asked for this information in their classrooms unbeknownst to parents. But what we discovered was that many school boards actually disregarded this directive from the ministry and went ahead and asked students in these young elementary grades for this information, again, largely unbeknownst to the parents who were meant to be completing it for their students. Um, and the school, each school board received anywhere from $35,000 to $50,000 to institute these surveys in this data collection exercise and actually, I will be doing an update on that because some of these school boards have published the data and it's really laughable what the response rates are on some of these surveys, like 24% in one particular school board, you know, so less than a quarter of the people are responding and yet they're using this 24% response rate to institute policy changes and changes to their, their human resources and bring these materials and these, what they are referred to as supplementary um, supports or supplementary materials into the library and on that same day David that you were at the Durham District School Board I was tuning in to the Waterloo Region District School oh. Board who was having a meeting on the same and uh, there was a delegation there from David Todor who I've interviewed previously who's been sounding the alarm on the heavily sexualized content that has the features pornographic imagery in these um, e-books that are available in the school's e-library and in certain instances in the physical libraries themselves, um, he's been very expressing great concern over his children having access to and who kind of gauges the age appropriateness of this content and what uh, checker balance is in place to prevent things that are not age appropriate. Um, so actually, we, I think we have a clip of him, and I must warn our viewers, he is reading a, an excerpt from a book titled Identical by Ellen Hopkins, and it details a horrific direct account of incestual pedophilia. 
And this is readily available now, arguably in a high school. Um, but maybe we can just show the clip. And again, you know, trigger warning here for anyone who's experienced this kind of trauma because it is extremely detailed and grotesque. You keep doubling down on this. Here's a book that I did not see on the Trillium approved book list by the government. However, this book has been approved by your robust crew method system and deemed acceptable for students. You asked me to trust your process. So how many people approved this book and deemed it age appropriate? Now, because you keep voting down to look into this, I'm gonna read this book because you deemed it appropriate. Nobody did it, you did it. This kind of material, this is the kind of material that my daughters are going to be exposed to when she gets a little bit older. The book is called Identical, and this is a scene between a dad and a seven-year-old daughter named Kaylee. He lifted her gently, sat her down on the bed beside him. Then he opened the snaps on the fly of his flannel pajamas. It stood up, stiff as the leg might. How much does daddy love you? Show me you love me too, touch it. He closed her hand around it. That's right, that's right. His voice rocked in rhythm with his body. I don't even know body. if I can listen to it. Honestly, I don't know what I it meant. I have such a hard Only time. Um, yeah. This is, I, I, it's just, it's disgusting and it's grotesque. And this is content made readily available to high school students. And the really disgusting part about all of this is that David Todor was then questioned. And I wrote this up in um, a written piece that you can find um, on the Rebel News website, but um, he was questioned by a student trustee and then other trustees as well. Well, what was the context of the excerpt that you read and to which he responded, what do you not understand? This yeah. is inappropriate. Like, why does the context matter? And I guess one trustee was under the impression that this was a self-help book to try to, nav to, try to help um, teenagers who had had similar experience help them navigate their trauma by re-exposing them and re-victimizing them i mean it is absolutely absurd that these books are in our student school libraries under the guise of self-help what these children need is referrals to psychologists and to have you know places like children's aid society called when there are instances of this type of horrific um, abuses taking place like this isn't stuff that we in my opinion should be normalizing and promoting in our school student libraries oh i mean that excerpt alone uh, tamara was appalling because not only it gets worse it gets worse uh, and and it's it's not just pedophilia it's also incest correct because the yes. characters are a Incestual. father and a daughter and, and, you know, the way I see this is they're already looking ahead for the next war to, to fight. Right now, it's all about uh, the transgender community. And, you know, trans women are real women. And if you're a transgendered woman, you can compete against biological women in sports and, of course, uh, you know, win all the medals. If you're identifying as a trans woman, you can be a 350-pound bearded male prisoner and get to spend your sentence at a female penitentiary. So 
that's their current goal. It's all about trans rights. I think, you know, uh, gay rights, that battle has been fought and won, so it's trans rights. And they're making great advancements. And when I say great, I put air quotes on that uh, because, well, quite frankly, they're destroying women's sports and they're making female prisons dangerous for a biological woman to be in when Bubba identifies as Betty and the government has no problem with that. But when it comes to uh, pedophilia, Tamara, I've already seen the language change. You know, pedophilia, mm-hmm. mm, that's a little judgmental. How about something more gentle? Um, how about intergenerational love? You see, oh, so yes. already the rebranding uh, is going on. Um, when it comes to incest, I don't know if they've got a rebranding term for that, much like intergenerational love is the new and approved word for uh, pedophilia if you're down with, um, you know, uh, a minor having sex with, uh, with, a, with a mature adult. And that is how the argument's being framed, Tamara. Who are mm-hmm. we to say if the child is fully consensual with having a sexual relationship with, say, a 44-year-old uh, man, then who are we to say that's wrong? That is how it's increasingly being framed, and it, it's, it's disgusting. And don't look to the teachers' unions for any help on this. They are all down with this. That was the Waterloo Region District School Board, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mm-hmm. one of the front runners, along with Durham District School Board, and, of course, um, the Halton District School Board, where and Busty Ottawa. Lemieux... And Ottawa. Yeah, oh, and, and Ottawa, yep, that's true, too. Um, where there are so many awful and woke school boards that I ask this of the Doug Ford PCs. When is Education Minister Stephen Lecce going to grow a spine, mm-hmm. and he has the power to do this, and disband those boards? say that you are out of control. You are not serving either the students or the parents. You're these woke Marxist cabals that have a, a specific ideological agenda. Student scores are plummeting in this mm-hmm. province. And, uh, but Lecce, I got to tell you, Tamara, he's like a, um, a professional wrestling referee. I mean, when you look at Halton District School Board, Time and time again, these last seven months with the Busty Lemieux scandal, he's been saying, now, now listen, Halton District School Board, I've warned you seven times to implement a dress code for faculty, and if you don't do it, I'm going to warn you an eighth time. I mean, that, <laughs> that's what he is. It, it, yeah. it's, you know, and, and this has been, our colleague uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed mentioned, uh, I think last year or the year before, in Alberta, the education minister disbanded a school board that was out of control. So it's not unprecedented. But instead, this so-called conservative government, uh, nothing to see here, folks. Uh, we yeah. asked them politely and they didn't do anything. That's what has to be done. And, and Tamara, i got to ask you this. Really, what is the purpose of a school board? Principals have a lot of power. We can further empower them. We have the Ministry of Education. Why do we need the middleman when it comes to education? Because as far as I can tell, they're all you know NDP acolytes using the school board, uh, getting elected as a trustee as a um, you know a spring box to get other further political ambitions uh, accomplished, such as running for municipal provincial or federal office. So I say get rid 
of these rat traps. Yeah, and I, well, and it all comes back to what does this have to do with delivering education? Whatever happened to the yep. three R's, right? Yeah. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Why are we budgeting and putting forward this supplementary material and who's vetting it who's who's doing the checks and balances to make sure that it is age appropriate um the these unions are all banding together actually another delegate that spoke at the wrsb del, uh board meeting was i mean he he introduced his slideshow by acknowledging his privilege and announcing his pronouns so right off the hop you know what you're, <laughs> what's to come but i i was researching who this person was a little bit and i come to find out that he works for the school board he's um i think he was a senior staff um oversee overseer in one of the the Preston High School. Um, anyway, and, and a lot of his argument, there were so many holes in it, didn't really make a lot of sense, tried to self-proclaim that he was so well-researched, but then he didn't know that certain books are banned in libraries as it is, like Orwell's 1984, To Kill a Mockingbird, Dr. Seuss's The Lorax. These are all very well-known classics that have been officially banned. So why we're replacing those classics with books like Identical, and there's a whole list uh, that, that, for instance, David Todor has published on his, he has he runs a YouTube channel, Drea Humphrey in BC, our colleague, has delved into this as well. Um, this is mounting. And then, of course, there's also this, the latest trans activist, her name's Julia Malott, and she delegated at this particular board hearing on Monday. And um, she says, for instance, the WRSB has a procedure in place. It's called Procedure 1235. And it basically stipulates that staff cannot disclose a student's gender identity if it differs from their biological identity um, without their explicit consent to their parents. So they're intentionally to keep the parents in the dark about how this student wants to socially transition. And her delegation was all about how dangerous this is to further that divide and drive that wedge between families who are the stepping stone to the medical system, right? If these children have true gender dysphoria, then they need help medically uh, to move forward and probably also psychologically to sort through these feelings and um, these very intense feelings and emotions. And so her delegation was all about how dangerous this is and also noted that there's a very key mechanism already in place to help students who may be in actual, I think she called it bona fide danger of abuse, right? If their parents aren't welcoming, if they're not, if they're not helping them, um, if there's an actual abusive situation at home happening, then you call children's aid services and they have the resources and the knowledge and the know-how to start to intervene. But having a teacher and school counselors, she noted in her delegation that this is way above student counselor level stuff. Like this is, you need psychologists, you need trained experts, professionals in their fields. Um, why a school, a school board and teachers are meddling in the complex, complicated dysphoria of gender identity is really a slippery slope and a dangerous path because they don't have the expertise to properly execute or address any of these concerns. So I thought that was a really powerful argument and really made a lot of sense to me that, hey, yeah, if there's all these comorbidities that we know from the data usually coincide with a transgendered individual, then they need proper help and assessment and yeah. evading the family 
going through a teacher isn't going to get them the help that they truly need. It's probably just going to make matters worse. Yeah. And, you know, Tamara, at the end of the day, it's a classic tail wagging the dog story. If we look at the trans community, you're talking about a percent of a percent of a percent of a percent. I mean, it, yes. it's not even a rounding error. And yet we're turning society upside down, be it um, drag queen story time to putting your pronouns on your name tag as if there's any confusion that a bearded man who's serving you at Indigo uh, might have been confused for a she, her as opposed to he, him. But I just before we wrap this segment, I want to get back to the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario because mm -hmm. um, for those who remember at least six years ago, they made international headlines, folks, in terms of they had a proposal to expand the LGBT moniker. That's pretty easy, you know, uh, Tamara. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, right? Oh, no, 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 no. That wasn't inclusive enough for the Elementary uh, Teachers Federation of Ontario. So their new acronym was LGGBDTTTIQQ. A-A-P-P. I swear to God, I'm not making this up, folks. And we have to show this little clip. It was Stephen LeDrew, who used to be mm -hmm. the president of the Liberal Party of Canada, going on Tucker Carlson tonight. And, uh, well, um, he was there to argue that there was no problem with this, I guess, 15-letter acronym replacing the four-letter one. And also that Canada is a bastion of free speech. I'm going to play you the clip. And I'm going to tell you what happened in the aftermath. Check it out. Taught it. And I think I have a right to non-judgmentally ask what they're talking about. So, for example, what's Two-Spirit? <laughs> well, Two-Spirit sounds like there's someone they don't know whether they're, uh, you know, fish or fowl. They don't know whether they're, whether they're frick <laughs> or frack. So they're clearly confused. Yep. And, you know, again, clearly. if you're confused, what better place to go than to be at school? Oh, Tamara, now here is, as Paul Harvey used to say, here is the rest of the story. Um, after the trans community heard about that remark, fish or fowl, frick or frack, they are clearly confused. They went batshite crazy. They went to Stephen LeDrew's employer of more than 20 years, Bell Media. And in the days that followed that interview, and keep in mind, LeDrew was defending this crazy acronym and mm. arguing that Canada is a land of free speech. LeDrew was fired by Bell Media for, um, I guess, triggering a segment of the rainbow people. Unbelievable. <laughs> you couldn't write this stuff. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I think that was, what, five, uh, five or six years ago? And now, I mean, we're not far off from the 15-letter alphabet. Oh, I, I, absolutely. It's like 2SLGBTQIAA+, I think is the latest one. I don't know. My husband always makes fun of me. He's like, how, how do you even know that? And I said, well, you know, I have to report on it, so I kind of have to know. But, yeah, it's a whole string now, and it includes um, numbers, not just letters. Yeah, and, and that's <laughs> the thing. I mean, even the people advocating for this madness, you know, can they, without a Google search, I name all the groups that fall under, once more, folks, with feeling, L-G-G-B, T, 
T-T-T-I-Q-Q-A-A-P-P. I think one of the P's stands for pansexual. I don't know if that means uh, making love to cooking utensils. But anyway, I don't know what most of those letters represent. And I believe even the people advocating this madness don't even know themselves, Tamara. Again, <laughs> tail wagging the dog. Uh, what a sorry state of affairs. And it'd be nice if we had a government in power. It would be nice if we had an education minister that wasn't so spineless and wimpy as uh, Stephen Lecce, because mm -hmm. he's the solution to getting rid of this wokeness. But for some reason, even with a supermajority government, even though most people you know, agree that this is out of control. And by the way, don't get confused. Just because the counter demonstration was far larger than the demonstration, don't think that that squeaky wheel is representative of the silent minority, a uh, majority rather, because it isn't. So it's up to Lecce to wade in and bring these school boards back to reality. But he can't even get the home district school board to put in place a dress code for teachers, even though a dress code for students exists and a dress code for Halloween costumes exists. Tamara, um, I, again, if, you know, Stephen Lecce can, uh, I don't know, buy a can of spinach and uh, get his spine back, I would love to see that, but I'm not hopeful. Likewise. Well, let's throw to a quick ad break and we're all nearing two o'clock. So we'll come back, read some super chats and, um, and see how that goes. All right. Oh, hey guys, thanks for watching the live stream and sorry for interrupting, but I just wanted to pop on to tell you about this incredible sweatshirt that I'm wearing, but also all the other great merchandise that we have available at rebelnewsstore.com. We're adding new stuff all the time, so be sure to keep checking. Even if you shop today, there might be something new tomorrow. And if you are shopping, be sure to use the coupon code SHEILA10 for 10% off at checkout. Again, it's rebelnewsstore.com, coupon code SHEILA10 for 10% off at checkout. Boy, time has Alrighty. really... Oh, what's that, Tamara? Oh, I just said already, but yes. Continue. Oh yeah, I'm no, just going to say, we didn't even have time to get to uh, Greta Thunberg receiving an honorary doctorate from a Finnish university. Uh, <laughs> Tamara, did this gal finish high school even? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. For globetrotting under the guise of caring about the environment and carbon emissions um, prevented her from completing any real form of education. But that doesn't matter because you can virtue signal all day long and receive a doctorate. So yay yeah. for Greta. I guess the university overlooked such breaches of data insanity as Greta predicting in 2018 that the world was going to end in 2023. <laughs> uh, she just deleted that tweet a couple of weeks ago. I'm kind of surprised because technically she might still be right. We've got until December 31st before 2023 ends. But uh, even she has had her, um, her moment of enlightenment, I guess. Uh, I guess she'll pick another date as the uh, doomsday uh, date. But uh, we digress. What uh, sort of super chats do we have there, Tamara Ugolini? Well, there, there's a loaded one here, um, so I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing things correctly, but it's from Ableist SL, gives $5, thank you. Regressive leftist trannies are harassing streamers over Hogwarts legacy and drove VTuber, I think, is VTuber, or is it, do you mean YouTuber, uh, pick me to quit. I'm not familiar at all with any of that. Plus, did you read my super chat on Hasanabi 
I'm sorry if I mispronounced, caught going to a trafficker brothel timestamp if yes. So I am not familiar with any of those things. I apologize, um, but I will do some poking around and see what I can find. Uh, I think that the super chat may have been from yesterday or a previous day. And so I can't recall, perhaps maybe um, one of our producers can let us know if that ended up getting read. And if so, um, if there's a timestamp, and I think maybe they could even respond to you in the comments themselves. Um, so stay tuned, give, give them a few minutes to work on that. We also have another one from, AM, from AMT60, gives $5, thank you. There is a Durham Region Police Town Hall meeting at 6 p.m. Um, at the Ability Center on 55 uh, Gordon Street in Whitby. Media are invited, have to apply by 3 p.m. today, so you're down to the wire, and they give a link there. Are any rebels going? I wasn't and aware that this was happening. David? I no, I wasn't. And, and what does that mean, a Durham Region uh, police town hall, uh, did you say, Tamara? Um, yeah. Uh, I'd like to go there and I'd like to know, um, because we saw this at the Durham District School Board on Monday, they basically had three police SUVs lined up, uh, ready to haul away any parent that after their mic has been killed, still rambled on about some questions, accountability issues for the board. Um, so I would love to know if, um, you know, the individual officers of the Durham Regional Police think that this is a, an example of them upholding their vows, cracking down on free speech, cracking down on, parent, on parents who, have, uh, who are impolite enough to ask questions about a sexualization of their children uh, going on in the schools. Um, so in case anyone's going to this uh, today, mm. uh, please uh, ask that question because I would imagine, I mean, if I was a Durham Regional Copper, uh, Tamara, and I'm sitting outside a school board getting ready to arrest a parent for asking a impolite or insensitive question, I'm thinking, what am I doing you know, why am I here with my brothers and sisters in law enforcement, three police SUVs, when I don't think real crime in Durham is a thing of the past. I think there are there is drug dealing going on, carjacking, even homicide. And meanwhile, all those resources ready to haul away parents who are making inquiries about the curriculum. I think that is despicable. Yeah, I see here, I pulled up a tweet from the Durham, Re Durham Regional Police about their town hall. It's done in partnership with our Diversity Advisory Committee. Um, it's a public town hall which aims to capture the voices of our community. Insights gained will drive future planning and priorities. So there's some details there in uh, in their tweet with a little poster. Who it's, it's being moderated by. Anyway, um, might be interesting to tune in or... Maybe we'll see if we can, someone can head on down. Thanks for the tip. And always, if you do have tips like that and there, you know, there's a time constraint, send it to us, tips at rebelnews.com. Uh, though that email is monitored a little bit more robustly than our live stream chat section. Yeah. Um, let's see, where was I here? Sorry, give me one moment. 
Uh, Aaron Burton, 32, gives $5. Thank you very much. Hi, Rebels. Was reading that a U.S. university has made a 3D printed cheesecake. Oh, Doug Ford, where art thou? <laughs> what do you think of the 3D printed food and organs, David? I know Doug Ford would still eat the cheesecake. <laughs> Laugh out loud. Oh, yes. Would he ever? Well, you know, I mean, uh, Tamara and Aaron, thank you for that uh, donation. Uh, is it simply a cheesecake? Because Doug likes his cherry cheesecake. So can the 3D <laughs> printer accommodate that? It's much like, you know, blackface. He doesn't want a rapporteur uh, to look into the alleged Chinese interference in our elections. He wants a special rapporteur, not some garden mm -hmm. variety or off-the-rack rapporteur. So um, we have to be very specific when it comes to the requests of uh, Blackface and Doug Ford. Yeah, and I mean, is it really that far off from like Beyond Meat? You're basically just eating paper. <laughs> is that a thing um, anymore? Oh, Beyond Meat? Oh, yeah. yeah. They, I think, you know, like for instance, A&W is really pushing their Beyond. Everywhere you go now, you can get these fake meat burgers. And sometimes they're, you know, I always ask the people um, that are working, you know, for instance, in restaurants, do you make this burger in-house or is it just some like, it could be in the future now, some 3D printed frozen paper patty. Um, yep. But I, I always ask them if they make them in-house because some places do actually make a really good black bean burger. Um, mm. So sometimes, you know, you just, I am a meat lover. We buy a cow from a local farmer. We eat all the meat, but sometimes you just don't want to eat meat one day or for one meal. Um, so I will ask them if they make it in-house. And hey, if you are looking for an alternative, all the power to you, but at least make sure it's real food. And black bean burgers can actually be pretty good and they're not this like processed plastic paper garbage that you yeah, see in you the know, meat stuff. But Tamara, if you're in the burger business, like stick to what you know. And if you want proof of that, reach out to McDonald's and ask them how their McLean Deluxe experiment went in the 90s, <laughs> uh, which had all the tactile taste of uh, sawdust and that was a fake meat burger and uh, has been for, forever um, uh, eradicated from the McDonald's menu. Although McDonald's has this weird fetish of bringing back failed items like the McRib. Uh, <laughs> so oh, maybe, maybe one ribs. day they'll bring back McLean, but I don't think so. I think they lost their shirts on that one. <laughs> you know what they should bring back is the pizza. McDonald's pizza. Um, they should definitely bring that back. Otherwise, I do not eat McDonald's. I like you should ask them about their 100% beef burgers and how the brand's going because I'm pretty sure it's not 100% beef. Yeah, but I've I digress. Heard, I've heard about that, but you know the pizza. You know that's funny because I once upon a time when that was being introduced, Tamara, they invested hundreds of millions of dollars into those pizza ovens at all their restaurants, and the whole yeah. idea was to. I mean, they were doing great with breakfast, even better with lunch but dinner time, not so great. And that was the idea for getting McPizza into their restaurants. And again, it was a colossal failure um, because I think if I'm in the mood for pizza at nighttime, you know where I'm gonna do it? Call me crazy, call me a crank. I'm gonna go to a pizzeria, right? <laughs> Someone that specializes in uh, pizza as opposed to whatever the heck uh, McDonald's was, was selling. So like the McLean Deluxe, uh, they lost big on that one too. Mm -hmm. No, no McPizza for David. Um, <laughs> Funis, 
gives five dollars thank you how about a gofundme set up for singh paying out more than his pension <laughs> to try and buy him out to resign they sell out to the lobby groups why not to a people's lobby yeah i think the the better question here is who would donate to that um maybe maybe people who are really eager to get him out but um i'm not holding my breath you know what, Tamara? I think that's a brilliant idea. I mean, what's the population of Canada, more or less, 38 million? If we all donated a buck, um, even 50 cents, that adds up into several millions of dollars. And uh, I'd be the first to donate if the uh, quid pro quo is Jugmeet Singh doing his resignation speech. So that might be win-win for everybody, I think. <laughs> Well, Raddit, let's kill two birds with one stone and get Trudeau out too. <laughs> all right, I think we're all cut up, caught up on the super chats. Are okay. there any anything else? I don't think so. I think we're producers? ten past the hour. I know you have a uh, a mission to get to, uh, Tamara Ugolini, so uh, that uh, cannot be kept waiting. So I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in, especially those who gave a uh, donation. That's how we keep the lights on here. And of course, Olivia and Efren uh, doing great work behind the board, our super producers, and uh, the lovely Tamara Ugolini from the greater Coburg area. I'll be back here tomorrow. I think it might be with Drea Humphrey out on the West Coast. So in the meantime, folks, as always, stay safe and stay sane. This morning, there are people protesting in Calgary because they want to take the name of our first prime minister, Sir John McDonald, off their school, uh, pointing to um, the stand he took on residential schools. What is your opinion of uh, this um, request by the protesters that the Calgary Board of Education remove the name of Sir John A. McDonald off a school here in Calgary? We respect the right of local school boards to make their own decisions about how they, they do their naming. I understand that CBE is going through a process on this, and um, we'll have to see what it is that they turn up with at the, at the local level. This, uh, it's, you know, this is, is part of the, the, uh, the, the, the problem that we have right now, is that uh, not all of our prime ministers were perfect people. And I, I think that uh, being able to have a, a, a discussion historically about the rights and the wrongs is an is important discussion to have. But uh, as for uh, the issue of naming, we, we do leave that to this, this Calgary Board of Education on what their ultimate decision is there. Rick, do you have a follow-up? Uh, yes, thank you. Um, the former uh, Premier, Jason Kenney, uh, was very adamant in his um, views on uh, removing the name. Um, do you have a personal opinion on this particular issue? I, I, do, I do get concerned about erasing portions of our history um, because I do think it's important that we understand the rights and the wrongs that all of our prime ministers did. It's, it is part of Canadian history. We, we have to look things squarely in the eye when things uh, happen that we wouldn't approve of today, and we have to be willing to talk about it. And I, I think that the, the, the cancellation 
of some of these historical figures works against that. We, we should have these long conversations and we should be able to address the, the issues of the past. We've got prime ministers that have been named on buildings and on airports all over this, uh, this country. And so I, I guess that's the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to be canceling all of them? Um, because of, of, of mistakes that they that they made, that that I think is is a, a broader conversation that we need to have. I think that uh, this particular case of this particular school, as I said, we agree with local control, local decision making, and it will be a decision of the Calgary Board of Education. If people are wanting to weigh in, they should call their trustee.